It's Christmas at Mac Folklore Radio. Macworld, December 1994. The Desktop Critic by David Pogue. The Desktop Christmas 94. Cheap Choice Cheery Under the Tree Treasures. Some of you may know that David Pogue was a singer-songwriter before he became a computer columnist. So this article starts off with a song, which I am not going to sing for you. Now let's see. Who could I get to sing it for you? Hello, I'm Macintosh. It sure is great to get out of that bag. That match my Mac. If it's housed in plastic, then it's fantastic, and I'll plug it in the bag. I'm dreaming of a scanner, printer, and multi sync display. May your Mac still work New Year's Day And may all your Christmas gifts be great Yes kids, it's our favorite time of year Our waistlines get larger Our wallets get thinner And our scuzzy chains get longer There's been an explosion of interesting, funny, worthwhile Mac accessories for gift giving this year It won't be just another mouse pad for your friends. For the fifth consecutive year, the Desktop Critics Holiday Roundup rules are simple. Nothing over a hundred U.S. dollars, and nothing buggy, cheesy, or predictable. Personalized Mouse Pad I know what you're thinking. After that big puffed-up no-mousepad speech, I've got a lot of nerve to lead off with a mouse pad. But listen, this one's different. The gimmick here is that you send in a photograph and they make it into a mouse pad. $20 VIP communications. They accept postscript files too. It takes four to six weeks or two to three weeks for a rush charge. If you're wincing, envisioning some piece of clear plastic pathetically scotch taped over your Instamatic shot, you can relax. It's a much classier deal. Somehow they actually incorporate the image of your photograph onto the clothy surface of the pad itself. It's not a layer you can peel off. It's bright, clear, resized to fit the 8 by 9.5 inch pad, and as twisty and flexible as the foam rubber itself. This is a truly ingenious gift. It costs about as much as a piece of shareware, but it's unusual and practical, and your recipient will be forced to think of you for 8 hours a day. There are probably some really neat psychological implications in rolling and scraping your mouse across somebody's face, your spouse, your boss, your in-laws, every day, but I'll leave that to your imagination. After Dark, The Simpsons Collection A guy in my grocery store last week? I think Krusty the Clown symbolizes man's inhumanity to man. My mother... I've heard it glamorizes juvenile delinquency. My niece. Why is Marge's hair blue? Yep, 
Everybody's talking about TV's The Simpsons. Non-Macintosh historical context for younger listeners. One, I know it's difficult to imagine today, but The Simpsons was quite controversial back then. In 1991, at least one teacher in my elementary school established a no Bart Simpson shirts rule. It was, quote, just a cartoon to some people, but can you imagine people doing the same thing with Tom and Jerry? And two, this was written in 1994 during seasons five and six. That's all I'll say about that. If you've never seen this satirical, masterfully scripted spoof of American culture, then it's hopeless for me to try to explain it. Suffice it to say that The Simpsons screensaver will be a big hit with any Simpsons fan and an utter mystery to everybody else. $50, Berkeley Systems. After Dark Control Panel included. A few of the 15 Simpsons modules are inventively infected with the spirit of the actual Simpsons characters. There's Chalkboard, in which a different one of Bart's opening credits schoolroom punishments is scrawled across your screen each time. I will not Xerox my butt, I will not Xerox my butt, etc. Itchy and Scratchy, in which your desktop icons are used as tools of mutilation and death by America's least favorite cartoon-within-a-cartoon characters. And the savagely politically incorrect Grandpa's Wisdom, in which the shriveled grandpa does nothing but mutter talking moose-like periodic utterances like I'm hungry! and Who's got my pills? Some of the other modules feature likenesses of The Simpsons, but aren't witty in the least. Nonetheless, considering that $49 of the program's $50 list price probably pays for the licensing of the music voices and characters, it's a good deal. Yesteryear's Mac Games has a nice review of After Dark, The Simpsons Collection. Check the show notes. CD-ROM Caddies I read a startling statistic. Nearly half of all CD-ROM drive owners never buy another disc beyond the handful that came with their drive. I think I know the reason for this seemingly incredible fact. It's the hassle of using CD-ROM caddies. Last year, Apple at least had the merciful insight to retire this flimsy infernal nuisance. The ejectable caddy was replaced, in newer drives, by a tray that slides out but remains attached to the drive. Tough, I guess, for the millions of us who are stuck with the original design. Therefore, buy, say I, a five-pack of CD-ROM caddies, around $50 from an Apple dealer. The lucky recipients will be able to leave their favorite discs nestled permanently in their caddies. One for Mist, one for Encarta, and so on, and just swap the whole enchilada in and out of the drive. This suggestion qualifies for the perfect holiday gift merit badge. It's something that will substantially improve the quality of your friends' lives, but that they'd never have bought for themselves. CD3 So, what, I can already hear you clamoring, is the ideal gift for the other half of the Mac population, those who do buy additional CD-ROMs? For them, may I suggest the fascinating CD3 a hard plastic CD-ROM storage kit, $30 CD3 Incorporated. My various friends have described this unique cylindrical cabinet as looking like 1. A headless Dachshund, 2. A postmodernist waffle iron, and 3. A 7-inch slice of a large German salami. Of course, these descriptions may reveal more about my friends than about the CD3. 
There's a link to a picture in the show notes. Still, the idea is irresistible. You open the CD3 like a lunchbox. Into the thinly spaced slots within, you painstakingly lower your 40 favorite discs. Then, into the equally thinly spaced numbered blanks on the CD3's lid, you painstakingly write the name of each disc. The payoff comes the next day and for the rest of your life. Every time you want a particular CD, you simply slide a pointer along the outside of the unit until it points to the title you want. Open the lid, and hey presto, there's your disc, hanging, neatly, from the open lid, having been plucked by its safe-to-handle outer rim. Slip your finger through the hole, slide the disc into your CD-ROM player's caddy, enough said, and off you go for some compact fun. As you play, you'll know that your entire collection is safe from dust and marauding toddlers, and that the CD3's carrying handle portends portability for parties to come. Scuzzy Sentry As you probably know, there are two schools of thought when it comes to attaching multiple SCSI appliances, scanner, SciQuest drive, CD-ROM drive, and so on, to your Mac. Method 1. To connect a single SCSI device, a desktop Mac requires a Terminator plug, a PowerBook requires two Terminators, and a Duo needs none. Each external device must have a unique ID number, usually set with dip switches on the body of the unit between 0 and 7, but excluding 0, which is the internal hard drive, and 7, which is the Mac, and possibly 1, which is used for a built-in CD-ROM drive, the combined cabling must not be longer than 19 feet. If you have a Mac 2FX, Quadra, AV model, or plus, special exceptions apply to your machine. See your manual. Method 2. Junk the rules and do what works. If you, like thousands of others, have found that method 2 works more often, consider the SCSI Sentry, $100, APS Technologies. This thing looks for all the world like a regular Terminator plug. It's much smarter, however, automatically turning termination on or off as befits the quirkiness of your particular chain. It apparently does a bunch of other stuff, too. APS Literature says it can, quote, regulate power with the monolithic digital IC solution, really? How interesting. And that it, quote, helps you diagnose problematic transmissions and instantly identify a frozen bus. Well, shoot, even I can identify a frozen bus. You see them in Manhattan every winter. <laughs> but now you can ignore some of the rules in the SCSI world of SCSI. Label once disc labels. When I want to relabel a floppy disk, I generally just slap another label sticker over the existing one. Trouble is, after a few years of this, some of my discs have so many overlaid labels, they look like little bars of ivory, and they won't fit into the disk drive. It's hard not to love label once disc labels, $13 for 50, $9 for refills, from Multicomp, you put one label on each disc, the only adjustment I'm finding hard to make, and write on it with a permanent magic marker. One is included. When the disc's contents change, you can erase your original writing using either a standard art ink eraser, included, or rubbing alcohol, and then perform your write of writing right onto the newly blank label. The scheme works beautifully. P.S. I know you're not reading VHS World, but listen. Your lucky giftee might also appreciate a set of Label Once video cassette stickers, too. 
Stealth Stylus II. Who can account for the Newton's failure to dominate the galaxy in its first year on the market? I can. It's because of the chintzy plastic stylus slash pen thing you use to write on the handheld computer's screen. I'm sure the Newton would have been a smash hit had it come with a more stylish stylus. That drawback has been withdrawn. The Stealth Stylus II, $18, right where, looks exactly like a garden variety ballpoint pen, and in fact it is one. But if you click the end cap a second time, the ballpoint retracts and is replaced by a plastic Newton stylus tip. This Jekyll and Hyde split personality will make any gadget freak salivate, and it eliminates the debatable inconvenience of carrying around two different pens. For your further phony pen pleasure, Rightware also makes black plastic Newton ready replacement, quote, cartridges, called snaps, stylus, not a pen for the expensive pens your Newton-owning friends may already have. Pross, Quill, Montblanc, Schaefer, Parker, and so on, $9 each. There's even a combo pen that includes ballpoint, mechanical pencil, and Newton tip. Christmas Lights 1.0 Oh, how cute! That's all anybody can say about this adorable $20 software gem, Atticus Software Corporation. It strings up tiny blinking Christmas lights and tree ornaments around the edges of your screen, with your choice of 27 other decorations, holly, hung-up stocking, menorahs, as light bulbs. If you wish, sweet orchestral carols play from your Mac's speaker. All of this merrymaking goes on in the background while you struggle through your year-end finances in Excel. Cute. One share of Apple stock. Who could stifle a gasp of joy upon pushing aside the wrapping paper to reveal a crisp new official stock certificate? Available from your friendly local broker or Charles Schwab-type discount brokerage, about $35. It's one thing to own the computer, it's quite another to own the company. Now your voice can be heard. Vote Michael Spindler out of office. Or re-elect him. Demand satisfaction on that broken image writer. Clamor for better icons on the eWorld startup screen. There's a reason David Pogue used the image writer line. Here's a quote from him at Macworld Boston 2004. I remember... Once when I was with the New York Mac user group, Jean-Louis Gasset came to speak. We had negotiated for months. And he gave this amazingly inspiring talk. At the end, a guy from Brooklyn stands up, took a question from the audience, he's like, my image right has been busted twice. What are you going to do about it? I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. Um, okay, owning one share of Apple is a little like owning one grain of sand on the French Riviera. You do indeed have a voice in Apple Computers Affairs, but it's the voice of a gnat on Neptune. Still, imagine the rush your friends will get from knowing they're in the fast lane, and they can whip open the newspaper every morning to see how their portfolio is doing. And they'll get mailed Apple's annual report, which has a lot of impressive-looking numbers in it and a lot of photos of Macintoshes. And even if that Apple share doesn't appreciate, you and your friends will clearly appreciate each other. And that, after all, is the purpose of this ho-ho-ho-whole thing. Happy holidays, all. Contributing editor David Pogue is co-author of a sterling stocking stuffer, the Macworld Macintosh Secrets 1995 Desk Calendar.
which imparts a tasty trick or tip for every day of the coming year. Apple's stock price on December 1, 1994 was 29 cents a share. According to the Finmaster's stock choker, of whose reputation I know nothing, that single share would be worth $81.79 US today. Let's say you bought 100 shares. That $29 investment would have grown to $8,179 US dollars, an increase of 28,104%. David Pogue. Nine-tenths of a gig, biggest ever seen. God, this program's big. MS Word 15 comes on 10 CDs and requires, damn, Word is fine, but jeez, 60 megs of RAM? Oh, Microsoft, Microsoft, bloatware all the way. I've sat here installing Word since breakfast yesterday. Oh, Microsoft, Microsoft, moderation, please. Guess you hadn't noticed. Four gig drives don't grow on trees. Thanks for tuning in. You can find more stories or join the very quiet Discord server for this podcast at www.macfolkloreradio.com.